lecture nine part two of christian patience by william bernard ullathorne this librivox recording is in the public domain lecture nine on the gifts of the holy ghost part two the prophet isaiah gives the seven gifts in the order of their dignity and excellence placing wisdom first and the fear of god last this is a usual method in the scriptures and we have it in the ten commandments it is the precedence due to what is nearest to god and to what brings us nearest to god but when we consider the gifts as they come to us we must reverse the order and place the fear of god first and wisdom last this has been pointed out by saint augustine and explained by saint gregory in his allegorical style the great doctor of morals attaches his instruction to the vision of the new temple as seen by the prophet ezekiel describing the gate of the court that looked to the north the prophet says and they went up to it by seven steps and the porch was before it ezekiel chapter forty verse twenty two by seven steps says st gregory we ascend to the door as by the seven gifts of the holy ghost we come to the kingdom of heaven these gifts as enumerated by isaiah rested on the head of christ and they rest on his body which we are the prophet speaks of these degrees in their descending rather than in their ascending order for undoubtedly we ascend from fear to wisdom in our mind the first step of ascent is by fear the second by piety the third by knowledge the fourth by fortitude the fifth by counsel the sixth by understanding and the seventh by wisdom but what is fear without piety what is piety unguided by knowledge what again is knowledge without the power to will our knowledge therefore must pass into fortitude that what we know that we may do without fear or alarm and may defend the good that we have but fortitude is unsafe without foresight and circumspection which saves us from rushing into presumption and coming to a fall fortitude must therefore ascend to counsel that we may see what is best to be done and may do it with magnanimity but there can be no counsel without understanding teaching us the evil to be avoided as well as the good to be sought and consolidated for counsel therefore we must descend to understanding yet even though understanding be watchful and well informed it will still need to be matured and applied by wisdom we must therefore ascend to wisdom that what understanding discovers wisdom may ripen and bring to its proper ends as then we rise from fear to piety and are led through piety to knowledge and go from knowledge to fortitude and tend from fortitude to counsel and through counsel advance to understanding and through understanding ascend to the maturity of wisdom we go up by these seven steps to the door that opens into eternal life but it is written that there is a porch before the ascent for unless a man have humility before he ascend 
he cannot go up those spiritual steps nor reach those spiritual gifts as it is written to whom shall i have respect but to him that is poor and little of a contrite spirit and that trembleth at my words isaiah chapter sixty six verse two and it is said in the psalm in his heart he hath disposed to ascend by steps in the vale of tears in the place which he hath set psalm eighty three verses six and seven this vale is a lowly place where the sinner afflicts his heart with tears whilst advancing towards the virtues again it is written thou sendest forth springs in the valleys the waters shall pass between the midst of the hills psalm one hundred three verse ten these are the streams of living water of which our lord speaks that spring from the holy spirit unto eternal life they spring in the valleys and they flow through the valleys because the gifts of the holy spirit are given to the humble through this diversity of gifts from one spirit we dispose ascensions in our heart from the lowest to the highest yet whoever has received the perfection of wisdom has received all these gifts in that one because the holy spirit is the eternal wisdom and he imparts the gifts that belong to wisdom in proportion to the dispositions of the receiver hence it is said in the proverbs wisdom hath built herself a house she hath hewn out seven pillars proverbs chapter nine verse one this house is the sanctified soul in which the holy spirit dwells and the seven pillars are the seven luminous and strengthening gifts that in the living house aspire to god but wisdom is the chief giving us both the knowledge and the sense of divine things and from it there come the purest piety and the firmest fortitude whereby we both adhere to god and reject what is opposed to god and the fear of god that belongs to wisdom is not a predominant dread of punishment but such a vivid sense of god instilled into the heart as to fill us with the sense of our own unworthiness the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom because as st bernard observes the soul obtains her first sense of god through fear and not through knowledge when you fear the justice and power of god it is because he gives you a vivid sense of himself as he is just and powerful but fear affects our inward sense and just as knowledge gives us understanding fear gives us sensibility when therefore we begin to feel god we begin to enter into his wisdom because wisdom comes of the sense of god but the fear of god which is perfect wisdom is the fear of love and reverence and it arises from an all-pervading feeling of the infinite goodness the sublime majesty and the eternal glory of god in contrast with our nothingness before him wisdom therefore as the scripture teaches is an infinite treasure to men which they that use become the friends of god being commended for the gifts of discipline wisdom chapter eight verse fourteen 
the seven gifts are opposed to the seven deadly sins and they are the life of the eight beatitudes as the heart sends the life's blood through all the veins and limbs of the body the holy spirit sends his living fire and unction through all the powers of the soul the master of love and sanctity he descends into creatures unworthy of his presence through the condescension of charity and fills the mind with his light the heart with his sense and the will with his strength removing evil bringing good to sanctify is to purify and to unite with god as he purifies with fire and unites with unction the soul that he embraces with charity in various forms were the seven gifts prefigured in the prophetic ages but in none more completely than in the seven-branched candlestick that stood burning day and night in the holy sanctuary of god's temple the stem of pure gold was a figure of christ's humanity which hypostatically united with his divinity ascended erect towards heaven the seven branches proceeding from the stem were lilies of pure gold united with the stem as the spirit of god is united with christ whose seven gifts embrace his pure humanity the seven golden lamps ever burning with pure oil symbol the seven gifts of the holy ghost burning in souls to the honour and glory of god in the flames of charity according to the mind and sense of christ as the apostle says let this mind be in you which was also in christ jesus philippians chapter two verse five the three lamps on the right hand are the lamps of illumination they are knowledge understanding and counsel the three lamps on the left hand the side of the heart are the lamps of spiritual sense and power they are fear piety and fortitude the lamp in the middle crowns the whole it rests on the stem which is christ and this is the lamp of wisdom the first lamp lighted in the soul is the lamp of fear not of servile fear for that precedes the divine gifts but of childlike fear and reverence this fear moves from charity it is the chaste and venerating reverence that flows from the touch of the holy spirit on the will moving the soul to revere our heavenly father with ease and promptitude and to dread offending him this fear despoils us of our own will and makes us conscious that we belong to god and not to ourselves the beginning of this fear casts a certain holy horror over the soul from the sense of the awful majesty of god and makes us feel how little we are in his sight how feeble before his infinite power before whom the angels tremble and whom nothing can resist this fear strikes down the folly of conceit and humbles us into our nothingness it shows that we have no foundation in ourselves and moves us with humble and awestruck reverence to seek our foundation in god it strikes a new sense into us and gives birth to new resolution that makes us obedient and patient caring for little beyond the will of god and prompt to confess our failings and unworthiness 
this childlike fear is the true beginning of hope as well as of wisdom for in detaching us from trust in ourselves it sets us free to trust in god it is neither servile worldly nor carnal fear but the reverence of god in the fear of ourselves servile fear is the dread of the slave under the lash of his master although the master's goodness may change that fear into loving reverence but so long as fear is servile it places the love of self before the love of god and dreads his punishments more than it fears to lose him worldly fear is the dread of losing temporal advantages or social reputation carnal fear is the dread of corporal privations sufferings or death the power of the gift of the fear of god is to conquer these fears of the creature to absorb them and so banish them from the soul and to restore us to our freedom and dignity because the gift of the fear of god delivers us from every other fear the fear of the lord expels pride which is the radical deformity of man as st bonaventure observes it introduces god through the humility which it brings because the man is brought under the mighty hand of god wherefore as st anselm justly concludes the fear of the lord is the beginning of the divine gifts and the holy spirit gives this fear for a foundation on which to build the other gifts the second lamp with its golden vessel oil and flame is the gift of piety piety is that gift of the holy ghost which fills us with childlike affection for our heavenly father and inclines us to love honour and worship him it is far more excellent to honour god with a child's affection as our father than only to honour him with fear as our creator lord and judge and therefore the gift of piety rises much higher than the virtue of religion by natural piety children love their parents by that piety which is the fruit of grace the christian tends to the love honour and worship of god but the gift of piety is infused from that same eternal fountain of piety in which the holy spirit loves the father and the son and is loved by them and this divine infusion of piety softens the hardness of our nature enlarges the soul by the ardour which it enkindles sweetens her with unction and draws her with tenderness towards god to serve him with joy and to worship him with all her powers hugo of st victor has beautifully described this gift as an affection and a devotion poured from the sweetness of the divine benignity that is both grateful in itself and helpful to mankind for these rays from the sun of divine piety attract the soul into which they enter to the fountain of all beauty and sweetness whilst they devoutly incline us to the help of our brethren writing to st timothy st paul takes this large view of the gift exercise thyself unto piety for bodily exercise is profitable to little but piety is profitable to all things having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come 
1 timothy chapter 4 verse 8 piety is also called godliness as bringing all our affections unto god for when endowed with this gift we cannot be contained within ourselves but must go forth carried by the flame of piety towards the divine unity and moved by love of the divine unity to works of mercy and compassion wherefore our blessed lord in his piety was wholly given up in his interior to the divine unity and wholly given up in his exterior to us in word in life in death and in the holy eucharist piety is the sweet refreshment of a soul filled with the sense of god and with the consciousness of his friendship it inspires a disposition to expend the mercy received in works of mercy both corporal and spiritual this piety to quote hugo of st victor again invites us to leave off despondency the love in it draws us from our own will the mercy in it pacifies our irritability the cheerfulness in it makes us feel secure the affability in it leads to familiarity and familiarity reveals the divine secrets when those divine secrets are opened they produce friendship friendship is preserved by having one spirit and humility brings us near to god for according to st paul he who is joined to the lord is one spirit one corinthians chapter six verse seventeen the third lamp on the left of the golden candlestick is the gift of fortitude fortitude is that gift of the holy ghost which infuses strength into the will that it may control the irascible appetite and give force and courage both to do and to endure great things with the confidence of succeeding in the face of difficulties according to the will of god it is also the work of fortitude to repress the solicitations of concupiscence and to repel the false allurements of self-love so as to remove the fears arising from adversities and calamities between the virtue and the gift of fortitude st antoninus has drawn these four distinctions first the virtue of fortitude acts within the limits of human nature but the gift has its measure from divine power the psalmist says by thee i shall be delivered from temptation and through my god i shall go over the wall psalm seventeen verse thirty that is i shall overcome obstacles that my natural strength could never master secondly although the virtue of fortitude gives courage to brave dangers it has neither the force nor the confidence to overcome them all but the gift of fortitude enables us to brave all perils that come in the way of duty and to surmount them every one thirdly the virtue of fortitude does not extend to all difficulties because it rests too much on human strength which is greater in one faculty in one person and less in another faculty in another person thus one person will have strength to conquer concupiscence and another to die for god's sake but the gift of fortitude rests not in our own power 
but on the power of god and consequently it extends to all difficulties and suffices for all this was magnanimously declared by holy job deliver me o lord and set me beside thee and let any man's hand fight against me job chapter seventeen verse three fourthly the virtue of fortitude will not bring every undertaking to a happy conclusion for it belongs not to man to carry all his works safely through the evils and dangers that oppose their completion death may interrupt them though nothing else should interfere but the gift of fortitude accomplishes all that god directs us to do and then brings us to eternal life the happy ending of our undertakings as well as of our dangers st paul therefore says of this gift i can do all things in him that strengtheneth me philippians chapter four verse thirteen we must add another important distinction which the devout gerson has drawn from st thomas when we are so placed that we must either encounter great dangers or sufferings or else abandon the good of virtue the declaring of our faith for example or our adhesion to the cause of justice the virtue of fortitude will enable us to suffer or to endure but the gift of fortitude will go much farther and will enable us to perfect our actions as they embrace the divine counsels or the state of perfection it may be objected that this would limit the gift in its abundance to those who are perfect this however by no means follows because it is one thing to have the gift as it exists in habit and another to have it in action through faithful cooperation as a habit the gift is given with charity so that even the imperfect who are in charity have the habit of fortitude but through neglecting to exercise the gift they have it not in action but the perfect have brought the habit of the gift into action and have greatly increased it in reward for their fidelity end of lecture nine part two